Well, it is the only game that matters, the one game to unite them all, you might say. That is the game. It is time for the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my partner in crime, Johnny Ray Ginner. Johnny, it all boils down to this. Ohio State has played a pretty solid season of football so far. That team up north has played a, surprisingly, pretty solid <laughs> season of football thus far. And it all comes down to this. This is the de facto playoff game, the game to decide who gets to go to the Big Ten Championship game, which will decide if Ohio State is, in fact, or some other team, I guess, could win the Big Ten Championship. Going into the college football playoffs, this really, all hyperbole aside, is a game that has a lot of implications. Has the game been this big in the Harbaugh era? This is really the biggest game that they've played since he's come to Ann Arbor, wouldn't I you think, say? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's up there. I think there have been other games that have been close to that, but this is probably, at least in terms of momentum for both teams, I think this is probably the biggest one so far. And, and it's not so much that, like, you know, I think that Ohio State is this unimpeachable team that can't be challenged or anything like that, and they'll just roll. But it's interesting to me the attitude that we've had towards the Michigan game the past decade <laughs> because it doesn't you don't feel you don't feel threatened you don't feel nervous and even though this is a really monumental game it's interesting the attitude I think that we have at this point because it's 2021 and Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in a calendar decade so I find that pretty interesting we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the program because I think you and I as children of the 80s who grew yeah. up during the Cooper years, yes. maybe have a different perspective on this than, say, uh, <laughs> kids who were born in 1990 or later. Or, or college students right now, right? Any, literally anybody who is attending both of these colleges, right, as undergrads, you know, they don't have the same perspective on this. Yeah, because you said, you know, not nervous about this game, and I'm nervous as heck about this well, game. Well, sure, yeah, from an existential point of view, absolutely. Yeah, 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 existential dread is a real thing when it comes to this game because this is, it, I remember as a college undergraduate at the hiring of the distinguished gentleman from Youngstown, James Patrick Tressel, mm -hmm. may he live forever. <laughs> you know, when he was hired, God I said, King, I said to my Trestle. roommates at the time, look, he can lose 11 as long as he wins one. And, yeah, that was maybe a tall stack of whatever <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. But it had been so long since we had won that one with any degree of regularity. Right. But that's what mattered. And, you know, Jim Trussell got that right off the bat, his famous speech mm -hmm. at his introduction when he called his shot and then delivered in spades. Yes. And basically the programs never looked back. Jim Tressel, you could say, not only uh, ended the Miami football program, but <laughs> maybe did more than uh, anyone living to, to put a nail in the coffin of the Michigan football program. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit. I, I want to talk about you know, what's on the table here, because I think it really is important to set the stage. You, you've got Ohio State here rolling, the number two team in the country in the most recent college football playoff rankings, mm -hmm. besting Alabama, and, and really setting up, I think, a pretty interesting playoff. We say that as we're watching Cincinnati uh, finalize its evisceration of East Carolina, so potentially yeah. setting up maybe an Ohio State-Cincinnati playoff. Oh, my God. I, there's, there's some really interesting things that can happen in this postseason. But Ohio State's got to win the one in front of them first. Right. <clears throat> how, how nervous are you about this game? You said not nervous at all a minute ago. Setting aside the existential dread, you've been the guy on our staff who's watched more Michigan film than anybody. Yeah. So tell us about <laughs> Phil, the – Okay, hang on a second. 
Film implies that I know what I'm looking at. Okay, I've watched all of Michigan's games as a passive observer, but I'm not Kyle Jones. I, I want to be very clear about that. I have certain opinions about what Michigan as a football team is capable of, but you may come out you, tomorrow, right, or today, I guess, as of the publishing of this recording, you may watch Michigan and see something very different than what you expect. And, and, and part of that is because it's the game, right? Yep. And I think anything Throw out is, the record books. That's right. Anything's possible. And also because um, – Michigan this season, as a football team, has shown themselves to be capable of interesting things very intermittently. So occasionally you'll see a team that, like, I didn't think they were capable of that. They, they're, they're throwing for 400 yards. That, that can occasionally happen with this team. And that's what I find really fascinating about it. And that's why I think this game is going to be a really good one. I don't think Ohio State loses, but I also think that it's going to be something where you're maybe biting your nails a little bit in the second half. All right, let's, let's take this approach. Describe Michigan for me as though I have never seen them play a down this season. <laughs> I can do that. What are, what are they good at? What do they stink at? Mm -hmm. What is this Michigan football team? How about this? I'm going to tell you in a very, very short uh, manner, uh, and, and then I think in a way that most Ohio State fans will instantly relate to and also immediately hate me for saying, Oh, Lord. They're, <laughs> they're a Jim Trestle team. That's who they are this season. It's they are the height of Trestle ball. They are a run-first team with very little interest in getting creative with the passing game. Okay. A solid defense with a pretty good uh, linebacking core that's productive, good defensive ends. Um, they're a bend-but-don't-break defense, and they, that's it. They, they don't have any interest in being anything other than that. And so far, with the exception of one game where they blew a lead and then had no ability to get back into that game, um, that's the formula that they've relied on to – Pretty good success, and they're not going to change. They're not going to change. That's who they are. Now, that actually oddly gives me a, a, a pretty good amount of comfort because I sure. watched, and, and I'm the biggest Jim Trestle stand on our staff. <laughs> I think I feel confident in saying that. Mm -hmm. I, I pay homage to President Trestle every week in the debriefing uh, when we recount Jim, <laughs> Jim Trestle's least favorite moment of the game. I, it was a, one of my favorite traditions. And so you telling me that this team is a Trestle ball type team – gives me hope because I saw with great clarity <laughs> a Jim Trestle team get smoked in the national championship uh, game absolutely by those vaunted SEC teams or Urban Myers in particular right and <laughs> and if there's a team or an offensive style that is less like Trestle ball going than Ryan Day's style offense yeah I don't know that one exists I don't know that one exists right I mean these are I, I wouldn't maybe not diametrically opposed because obviously there's still a strong ground game but the ground game is not in any way, shape, or form the focus right. of this offense. It's there because we're going to do it, we're going to be good at it, yeah. and it gives them a change-up if the passing game isn't working. Well, so, yes, and, and one of the things about trestle ball, one of the supreme weaknesses of trestle ball is that it ultimately could not evolve with the times, right? Like, you were looking at concepts that people were using in the 70s and 80s, you know, when, towards the end of his year, and, and his tenure, and, and that was something that obviously hurt them offensively. So... If you're Ohio State's defense, you know you know what to expect. You're not going to see a lot of really crazy things. Unless they decide to just throw some concepts in at the very last minute, which they might. I'm not saying they won't do that. Uh, but the team that they are right now is a predictable one um, that just wants to out-execute teams. For Ohio State's offense, that's why I think the game is going to be um, a little more close than maybe people might expect because I think that Michigan is one of the teams in the Big Ten that are uniquely suited to attack 
Ohio State's offense, not because they're great, but because they have a solid linebacking core that makes a ton of tackles, right? They're not going to get out of position. They're not going to miss easy tackles. Uh, they'll stay in their lanes. They'll know exactly what they need to do. They have two defensive ends um, in Hutchinson and uh, Ajabo, excuse me, David Ajabo, um, who are really good and very productive in their own right. I think they both have at least 10 sacks apiece, so they are crazy on the ends. Um, you're going to have to really account for certain athletes in that, in that you know, Michigan defense. They're good. They're, they're legitimately really good. And so if you think you can just drop back like you did against Michigan State, the worst pass defense in the country, yeah. <laughs> and throw for 500 yards again, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, so that's, that's an interesting question because you, you've done a pretty good job of keeping me from saying, ah, this is going to be a, <clears throat> a good old-fashioned butt whooping right. with the Buckeyes rolling the way they have the past five-plus years. The, then you set this up and say, well, it's, it's not going to be like it was with Michigan State. Michigan State beat Michigan. And I just saw Ohio State <laughs> take Michigan State out behind the woodshed yeah. and, and paddle them like they stole Dad's car. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that I was surprised about with the Michigan, Michigan State game with Ohio State is how well they handled Kenneth Walker to the third. And that... 20, 25 yards. Yeah, and we, talked about, right, and we talked about that last week, that if Ohio State was going to really dominate that game, it would, it would start by eliminating Michigan State's running game. If they could shut that down and force them to be one-dimensional, right, mm-hmm. like... Thorne isn't going to win that game for anybody. So, and, he, and he clearly didn't. Um, so that's something where Ohio State's defense has the opportunity to kind of replicate that from Michigan State because I don't really know what Blake Corum's status is going to be. He's really good if he's healthy. Um, they're kind of playing coy about that. As I, they I, do. Right, and, which I would. I get sure. it. I think he might play. Um, he may not be 100%. But if they're able to limit Michigan's running game – you you got to feel pretty okay, I think, about, um, you know, not worrying too much about Cade McNamara, you know, throwing for 400 yards. Which, you know, he does have some games where he's done some really crazy things, but that's probably not uh, a big concern for Ohio well, yeah, State. Well, yeah, so that, uh, we're going to spend most of our time talking about the Ohio State offense versus the Michigan defense because that's mm-hmm. the matchup that I think makes the game. But right. <clears throat> flip the script, you know, Ohio State's defense started the season as this huge liability – yeah, they haven't been a liability for for quite a while. Now, they played stunningly adequate <laughs> defensive football for mm-hmm. the past what uh, nine weeks. Is is Michigan's offense good enough to give Ohio State's defense fits? I think, I think possibly yes, especially at the beginning of the game. And, and the reason why I say that is because they utilize their tight ends well, uh, intermediate routes. McNamara is very, very accurate on. So if you're looking at these, like, crossing routes, things like that, out to the flat, I think Ohio State fans might see that in the first quarter or so and go, they're getting seven, eight yards every time he drops back. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that Ohio State can do about that. And it's, it's going to look – I think it could look bad to start off the game because he is hyper-accurate on those throws. And also because – I think only um, two picks all year. Am I, yeah, am I, am I takes care of the football. Right? No bad decision. And that's what I mean about the whole trestle ball comparison yep. where it's like, okay, we're not relying on the quarterback to win a game for us. We're, he's going to be the game manager. He's going to take care of the football. And, and that's what they do really, really, really well. Um, now – They've fallen off a little bit on that in terms of, like, turnovers. At the beginning of the season, I mean, they had basically zero turnovers through maybe four or five games, something like that. But um, point is, though, is that they're not going to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. And they are going to get 
some yardage from some plays. It's just a cumulative effect over the course of the game. How effective can that be in the third, fourth quarter, right? How, can, how effective is that going to be on third down? And that's another thing that Ohio State's defense is really going to have to kind of prove themselves a little bit because this is not a team that gets off the field on third down very well. Mm-hmm. And if Michigan feels that they can, you know, go to, you know, all, right? They're, they're tight end um, and, and get a first down on a third and five, and they can do that with regularity, yeah. that's going to make a lot more difficult game for Ohio State than maybe some people might be comfortable with. I was watching Joel Klatt break down film last night uh, in, in his Breaking the Huddle segment on YouTube. I think Klatt's a great <laughs> analyst, and he mentioned yeah. all in particular and some of the things that they've done with him, some of those shallow crossing routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the thing I've been concerned about with the defense most of the year has been the linebackers. They've actually, I think, come quite a long way in the last couple of weeks. Have they come far enough to be able to keep that middle of the field from being the big open liability that it was earlier in the season? I mean, we're going to find out. <laughs> like that's, 50-50 time will tell? Yeah, that's, that's really the thing because Eric Hall's a good player, right? Yep. And they've got guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield and do some things. Um, you know, Blake Corum if he's healthy, is a, is a home run threat. And not because he's, you know, yes, on the running game, but he's also really, really deadly in that short to intermediate passing game that you see with Trayvon Henderson yeah. as well. Um, so you've got to worry about all of that stuff. And you want to have guys that are rangy, that can react quickly. And I, you want to attack. I guess what I'm saying is if you're Ohio State's defense and you're playing this Michigan offense, you cannot be passive. Because I think... There are some risks in doing that. They do have some home run hitting potential, but I also think you're going to stop a lot more than you allow if you take the fight to them rather than allow Kate McNamara to dictate the flow of the game with five and six yard little out routes, which is, again, their bread and butter. I mean, the guy is not, he might throw 40 times in a game and get 225 yards. Okay. Like, that's just, that's just his game. And that's fine. It works for them, but that's how they dictate the flow of a football game, and, and Ohio State doesn't want to fall on that trap. They, they want to be the ones dictating the pace, not Michigan. Of Ohio State's opponents so far this team, uh, this season, which team that they have played would be the closest analogy to Michigan? Is there one? Is this, is this team like? I don't, think, I don't think there's any team that does what Michigan does as efficiently. Um, I mean, especially in the Big Ten, it's hard to say, um, just because the Big Ten is... <laughs> So, I mean, you know better than anybody. Big Ten is what it is. It is all over the place. Um, I think maybe defensively you can look at Penn State. Um, but it's, it's hard because Michigan really, like I said, they do what Big Ten teams struggle to do, which is be consistent, right, particularly yeah. in offense. And, you know, Ohio State even, you could argue, has not been – incredibly consistent on offense in their entire, like, you know, running game, passing game, whatever. They had a great passing game all season. Running games definitely had its struggles at times. So, again, Michigan's biggest thing is that they have been incredibly consistent, uh, really on both sides of the ball, and I I think that's what makes them a little unique in the Big Ten. And, and again, they're not playing at this incredibly high level, but they are very good. Now, I was going back to this segment I watched with Joel Klatt last night. He was talking about Ohio State's running game. It was extremely complimentary of Ohio State's running game, actually, which kind of struck me because I felt the same way you did, that, you know, Ohio State's running game is is good. Yeah. But it's it's not the clear strength of the team like it has been in some years where you say, oh, that's a run-first team or anything along those lines. 
Henderson's exceptional. I think he's really great. But it's been a couple games since he's broken the 100-yard mark. He's been in the high 90s. Last week they gave Master Teague the carry senior day. Mm-hmm. All good, fine, fine, fine. But, but what Clatt talked about that I thought was interesting is Ohio State uses the running game as a safety valve, if you will, when the passing game is maybe not getting it done, it's yeah. mired down, if Stroud's feeling a little wonky or whatever. You can go and punch guys in the gut and know you're going to get your yards with the running game as yeah. opposed to, hey, we're going to run first and pass when we have to, which has been – Right, it's kind of like the sa- it's kind of like the running game is is literally just a function of trying to get the safeties to play closer up to the sure. line of scrimmage so that they can you know they can throw those like kind of screen passes they like to do or they can you know do one of those intermediate like fly routes that they like like it it is interesting how the running game really does kind of serve to complement the passing game with Ohio State and again that's where you've got to be really really good about preventing guys like Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo to get pressure on CJ Stroud now I think he's smart enough to know that he can just chuck the ball away and and live to see another day on another down and they'll be fine uh, and not try to make something out of nothing um, you know because that that is where you can get into trouble if they sack him and because he's trying to do too much get turnovers, interceptions, all that kind of stuff. So I think the biggest thing for C.J. Stroud is just to kind of play within himself and, and not worry too much about replicating his performance against Michigan State where you're you know, scoring 50 points and a half. I'm thinking about some things Platt talked about in an article our own Kyle Jones wrote at 11warriors.com this week diagnosing some of the things that Ohio State did really well during the Michigan State game that should give Michigan – reason to be concerned and one of the things they both talked about is that Michigan's defense you can catch them sleeping like uh, miscommunications disorganized yeah Clatt showed some great film where you know they're they're not set so tempo tempo is huge tempo and and disguising looks uh with motion right can really bother them well Ohio State's offense is pretty good at both of those things Ryan Day knows how to use both of those tools at his advantage. Yes. And what's interesting about that is that Ohio State is like sele- – their, their tempo is very selective. You know what I mean? And that's what I really love about it because if it's, if it's something where, okay, this is the pace that the team plays at, you can practice that, right? You can go, okay, we're, we're going to make sure that we have certain personnel, uh, certain personnel on certain downs, and then everything's going to be fine. If they go tempo, then we don't have to worry about calling a different play, all this other stuff. Ohio State, what they will do is they will – kind of operate at their general, like, you know, upper pace tempo for a little bit. And then for a certain, like, maybe on third down or maybe on a first down where they think they can catch you napping and they'll, they'll take a bomb, they'll just go, right, on the, you know, within the first five seconds. They'll just not huddle, not do anything, and just go. And that is what I find really fascinating about watching this offense because I don't think, to Joel Klatt's point, I don't think Michigan can really handle that very well. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you've got to defend three <laughs> potential first-rounder, you know, wide receivers, right. that's, that's rough. That's well, really – that's a tall ass. And Jones talked about, you know, and this kind of reminded me, when he was talking about the complexity of Michigan's defense, it, it reminded me a bit when you talk about Greg Schiano's defense that, you know, mm. it took guys or, – or I'll go to my favorite former Buckeye, the venerable Dick LeBeau. Mm-hmm. You know, his defenses were so complex, you never saw rookies in a Dick LeBeau defense. Right at the NFL level because it, it took him a year just to figure out what the heck was going on right. because his defensive schemes were so complicated and complex. And that's what Jones talked about in his article at 11 Warriors this week in the film study, that the communication that it requires 
that's where you can catch them off guard mm-hmm. and really, that, you know, that to me sets up really nicely for Ohio State to go out early like they did at Michigan State versus Michigan State and, and race out to a couple scores and Michigan not be able to keep the dam from totally breaking. Yeah, and, and that's, again, you got to be aggressive, right? Like that's, that's the same thing. So on defense, same thing as offense. It, it really would, I think, help Ohio State in general just to attack, attack, attack coming out. Uh, and be okay. I mean, even if it's a if it's a you know a low percentage throw, something like that. Be okay with the potentiality of maybe a long turnover, or something like that, because you want to take risks early because that will really disrupt the timing. That will make them really nervous about what they're about to see. Um, I agree. I think that's a really excellent point. Um, put them put them on their back heels a little bit, especially at the beginning of the game. Because, again, this is a Michigan team that thrives on consistency and predictability. If they don't get that, then there might be a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super worried, oddly enough, about Michigan's offense versus Ohio State's defense because of what I saw in the Michigan State game where you had the best running back in the country basically become a non-factor. Yeah. No, nobody has really run on Ohio State with tremendous success right. since week two right. when Oregon just – couldn't do anything wrong in the rushing game. Uh, I, so I've been super impressed there, and I don't feel like Michigan's offense is dynamic enough to really give Ohio State major trouble. Well, so let me say this. This is what I find interesting, because with the Michigan State example, right, as soon as Michigan State got down a couple touchdowns, they, yeah, they can't dig out of the hole because they, you know. They, they were just going to try to throw themselves out you know, and, and try to get some points that way, and it was just not happening. Uh, Michigan's not going to do that. If they get down a score or two, they're going to stick with what they can do. And will they win that way? Probably not, if that's what happens. If they're down like 14, 17 is, is, points. Is, how good is Michigan's offensive line relative to Ohio State's defensive front? I think it's good enough, honestly. It's not amazing, but I think it's good enough. And that's my point. They will keep grinding on that because if they can get a long running touchdown or something like that, they, they can take bombs. They, they got guys, Cornelius Johnson, they've got wide receivers who can make big plays. They're going to try to do that. They will try to stay in the game within themselves and not just, you know, throw their game plan to the wind if they get down a few scores. So my point is that, you know, Ohio State jumping out early is, is really paramount. That'll be a big deal for them. But Michigan remains dangerous because they're not going to abandon what they do well. And if Ohio State's defense doesn't continue to play well, Michigan can – they're the type of team that can claw back a little bit if, if the defense and the offense don't continue hitting on all cylinders. Because they're, they're that talented. They're talented enough to do that. And not for nothing, but, you know, Michigan having long-sustained trestle ball-type drives probably helps them in terms of slowing down Ohio Abs- State's offense absolutely. as much as anything, right? Absolutely, yes. And that's, that's part of their plan. They want to shorten the game as much as possible. Yeah, yeah control time of possession, very, very classic. Uh, trestle strategy. The matchup of the game to me, which I find interesting because I think this is going to be the matchup of the game we talk about in the Big Ten Championship game, matchup of the game we talk about should Ohio State ever play Georgia in the college football playoff, Mm -hmm. is Ohio State's best-in-class offense versus we've been talking about, oh, man, it'd be great to see Ohio State versus Georgia because Georgia has the best defense since the 85 Bears or whatever. Yeah, Wisconsin's like Georgia light, and (laughs) Michigan... You know, when we're talking about having a pretty good defense, yeah. You know, this to me is kind of like good, better, best as we're right. It's a progression, at, right? So there, yeah, yeah. This sets up like a really interesting, yeah. You know, set of tests for Ohio State. How good are they really? Yes, and if you want to know, and and the thing is, of course, is that you know, no no defense is perfect. So Ohio State 
has an advantage in that Michigan's relative weakness on defense happens to be Ohio State's supreme advantage on yeah. offense. So, you know, you've got wide receivers that can really challenge a lot of these Michigan cornerbacks uh, and defensive backs. Um, they're not – it's not like they're terrible, right? They're, we're not looking at Michigan State where you're just going to see guys flying open by 10, 15 yards every down. Uh, I, they just can't keep up with Chris Olave and, you know, Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It, it's, it's not going to happen. So that's why they have to rely so much on hoping that their defensive line can get pressure because if they don't, uh, that, that's why I say you take those big shots downfield, especially early, because it's going to be there. Going um, into the game, Michigan ranks seventh in the nation in points allowed per game, tenth in yards allowed per game and yards per play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and among the teams Ohio State's faced so far this season, only Minnesota, as I kind of forgot we played them, that was so long ago, God. has allowed fewer yards, uh, total yards, while only Penn State had allowed fewer points per game and yards per play. Of course, both those games turned out just fine for Ohio State. They but did, but Penn State was able to slow them down a little bit, Penn right? State was able to slow them down. Nebraska was able to slow That's them down. Right. That was a pretty solid defense. Do, do those games, Penn State and Nebraska in particular, give, give you confidence – as an Ohio State fan, that Ohio State's going to be fine in this game, or are those games really not relevant because those teams aren't as good as Michigan is at the things they're, they were good at? No, I think it's relevant. I think it's relevant because that's the template that Michigan's going to try to use, right? They're going to try to confuse C.J. Stroud as much as possible. They're going to try to make it so that there aren't any easy reads, and they're going to hope that if Ohio State is missing on some of those easy passes, those short and intermediate passes that are really kind of the bread and butter to open things up for everything else in the playbook. If those aren't working very well, then Ohio State's going to try to be a run-first team or something like that, or they're going to try to change what they do, and then guys like you know Aiden Hutchinson can start teeing off. And, and that's, they, they want this cascading effect where Ohio State gets away from what they're good at, tries to move on to something else that they know they're good at, and then maybe their Michigan is a little better equipped to stop that. Um, now, I will say this. The interior of Michigan's defensive line, not so great. Okay. Not so awesome. And so you might alternatively see a lot of, you know, Trayvon Henderson at the beginning of the game trying to just see if they can establish some, you know, man ball up the gut and, and just take it to them immediately that way. Bloody their nose yeah. and let the chips fall. Right, because then they right they bring up those linebackers, they bring up those safeties to try to deal with him, and, and then forget it. That, let then the wide the receivers eat. Exactly. The game's completely over at that point. So the, the, the logical question here that I have to ask is, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this pretty even-handedly, and, again, we're both children of the Cooper era, so, mm. you know, Michigan's bound to win again eventually. Ohio State just can't win. That's not true. I, I refuse to believe that, Andy. I'm sorry. I, well, I, yeah, I have high hopes. <laughs> but the, the thing I found interesting, I was reading an article this morning at The Athletic. Uh, it was written by, let me see who wrote this, Nick Bumgardner. Mm-hmm. And I read it, and it's talking about uh, Michigan's beat Ohio drill, and he goes into basically – the idea that, that Michigan, you know, puts out, they do a nine-by-seven drill, uh, nine on offense, seven on defense, mm-hmm. and, and it's all basically line play and it's running the ball. We're not, right. we're not passing. It's all just up the gut, exactly what you were just talking about. Right. And, and it's all based on what it is they want to be, trestle ball type team, but mm-hmm. also then trying to stifle Ohio State's running game. And I read this article, and, and Bumgardner basically spends about 1,800 words talking about the 47 reasons why Ohio State is going to beat the holy living daylights <laughs> yeah. out of Michigan. I heard Paul Feinbaum, that Paul <laughs> Feinbaum, earlier this week saying Jim Harbaugh is, and I quote, incapable <laughs> of beating Ohio State. Yeah. The, the, 
the tone you and tenor that? out there. Yeah, but do you believe that? Incapable is a big word. Well, and not only that, and I understand the narrative, right? Because it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened. But it's come close. Once. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's not like this is some out of the realm of possibility thing for like Ohio State to have a bad day and Michigan to have a really great day. I just. But is that what it takes? That it's Ohio State has to have a really bad day and Michigan has to. Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's what we're talking. But about. But it can happen. But so the national thing. This is what this is what I want to talk about. The national tone and tenor yeah. to me has felt like you know this is almost going to be a coronation for Ohio well, State. Well, yeah, because I think nationally people have looked at this rivalry as essentially dead, and they say, okay, well Michigan has won how many times in the last two decades? Twice. <laughs> Nobody's been on the Michigan is back bandwagon this year. Where no. in past seasons, nobody believes it. I mean, we've, you know, we've declared Michigan September Heismans and all these kind of things mm-hmm. that fans talk about and laugh out. Right. It doesn't feel that way this year. It doesn't feel like Michigan has been the darling that it has no. been in previous years. Because nobody wants to, you know, it's like a bad stock. Like, nobody wants to invest in it because they think it's just going to go bust and, and it's not going to, like, pay off in any, any sort of way. And in part of it's because they, do, they play a really unsexy brand of football, yep. right? Yep. It's, not, it's not a situation where you've got a guy coming in from another school who's going to be the gunslinger and light it up, you know what I mean? Uh, they don't have uh, a Denard Robinson or something like that where people can really get excited There's about There's a name I hadn't thought about I, for a minute. I know, but that's my point. They don't have a guy that people really get hyped about and because of that even though that they have a pretty darn good record and a pretty talented team I just don't think the juice is there and coupled that with the fact that they have not literally have not beat Ohio State in a decade says a lot about you know the national perception of uh, the Michigan Wolverines which is dangerous because I don't I don't want I don't want people taking them that lightly I mean that's, right. that's it's still well, the Wolverines so the logical question that follows from this then is if, if the perception here is that Ohio, this is Ohio State's game to lose, that mm-hmm. Ohio State should handle Michigan with no trouble. Sure. And are we nervous about this game just because of our, like, Cooper-era PTSD? Or, I don't. Or, or is, is this a game that you, you need to be? Yeah. Th- and, I, and I don't mean the game in general, but this specific tomorrow, you know, today at noon yeah, <laughs> right. happening. Should an Ohio State fan be unduly nervous about it? I don't think you should be unduly nervous about it. I think you should be nervous about it because Michigan's a good team and has, and could beat Ohio State if they play really, really well and have a game plan that they execute really well and Ohio State doesn't have a great game. You know, I think the line's like seven points. I think that's a totally appropriate line. Um, I also think that nationally, you can ignore most of that because people aren't paying attention. Honest, honestly, honestly, that's what I mean by that. I don't think the national media in a lot of ways, Nick Bumgarner aside and people are actually paying, you know, like, real like analysis and they're actually doing the the legwork and all that kind of stuff them aside the Paul Feinbaums in the world people doing these drive-by observations they know Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State they see Jim you know Harbaugh being silly and goofy on the (laughs) sidelines and they go oh this guy ain't beating Ryan Day the mighty Buckeyes like they're not thinking about it for two seconds again I think Ohio State should be the favorite in this game I think they will beat Michigan I think it's reasonable to believe that this is going to be a much closer game than, you know, guys like Paul Feinbaum or, you know, whoever else might, might think it might be. All right. So a year ago, we were robbed of an Ohio State-Michigan game. Oh, my God. Where Ohio State might have, like, maybe buried the team at midfield. The, uh, the, the beating that was going to happen last I season. I really think they could have won by 60 to 70 points. Now, like, Ryan no Day joke. said they were going to hang 100 on them. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, there was that dust up right on that coach's call, I think, in the yeah. Big Ten Conference Yeah, call. let's have some – now that we've talked about this game seriously, let's have fun, some fun with it yeah, now. let's do that. Uh, Ryan Day wants to hang 100 on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan and neither confirmed nor denied that he actually said that when asked about it, which I enjoyed. Michigan uh, ducked the Buckeyes last year. That's the, the prevailing narrative. I don't but, think they uh, ducked him. I think they had like 40 people on the team with COVID, and they, now, there was but, no way they were in But play. they went out and had, and I quote, a spirited practice – that Saturday, I mean, was that? I the, believe uh, that they did do that. Also stupid, but <laughs> world's world's worst optics, if nothing. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, setting aside the implications that hey, you're having a yeah. an outbreak within your program, maybe yeah. don't have practice that yes. day. The, this game, I believe both of those things are true. Let me let me just say that for the record. I think they both had a crap ton of COVID, and they did, then did do a very stupid thing by having practice. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because the Michigan players got asked about that this week, and they were all. Uh, uh, that they were ducking Ohio State, that is. And right. They, they took some umbrage on that. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some of your favorite moments of silliness in this rivalry because okay. we, we've had some. Uh, it was a great piece on the uh, site this week ranking Jim Harbaugh's greatest hits. Uh, you know, he's now 3-9 and nine in rivalry games, mm-hmm. and including, you know, being winless against Ohio State. Yeah. What's been your favorite moment of the hardball era here in terms of the, the great moments of silliness that have happened and uh, I mean, it's tra- gotta be five glorious losses. It's got to be the spot, right? The like spot. The, spot, the spot being good is one of the – that's an all-timer, frankly, in the Ohio State. The, the fact that you have such a controversial call that really – the best part about that, honestly, where the spot being good and, and people worrying about whether JT got the first down and things like that, uh, is that nobody's on Michigan's side. <laughs> no. Because in, in a lot of these other games where there's, you know, controversial calls or moments like that where people are like, oh, I don't know what really went on, uh, you'll have people of both opinions, right? Somebody who says, no, 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 it's the home team got the advantage or the away team or it was the refs or whatever. In this case, people are so decidedly, not just Ohio State fans, but just in general, have no patience for Michigan's whining about that. And they may be right. I don't know. But it's just incredibly funny to me that no one wants to give their complaints the time of day, and they didn't the day of the game either. When Jim, uh, when when uh, when Jim Harbaugh got up there on the podium and did like his oh, it's a foot away, like so far away, no way. It was bitterly disappointed. Yeah, and, and the media basically laughed at him about it. Yeah. you know, and people were like, no, you idiot, like no, of course he, of course he got the first down. Uh, so that. Cracks me up, and that's probably my favorite moment. Their, their uh, fans the going all Zapruder film one. Oh uh, my God! Yeah, every angle. The, like, the number of MS Paint, uh, you know, John Madden telestrator type oh, images that popped up on social media. So good, so good. I love it. You know, another great moment in in hate, of course, is uh, Marcus Hall getting kicked out of the big house and flying the double birds. Yeah, buddy. 2013. That was before the Harbaugh era, but uh, yeah, Brady Hope. By the way, shout out to Brady Hope. Top, top 25 team down there is, is uh, his hometown, San Diego State. Good for him. I'm yeah. glad he's, I'm glad he's uh, happy and productive down there in the Southwest. Uh, yeah, that's actually probably my all-time favorite moment <laughs> the Michigan game because nothing better encapsulates the overall just anger and ridiculous, like, venom of the rivalry. And not in like a you know a mean like I'm going to burn your house down, but just like a spiteful, petty way. Yes. Then Marcus Hall marching off the field and flipping the entire stadium, the double bird. Absolutely, my all-time favorite Michigan moment uh, that I was able to witness personally. Um, you know, as 
you know, obviously, you know, tearing down the banner and stuff like that. That's yeah, that was fun a great stuff. one. That's, that's yeah. classic. Yeah, but it, within my lifetime, all-timer, I'm, I love it so much. I love that moment so much. All it's right. incredible. We, we've got it. So you mentioned in your lifetime. We alluded yeah. to this earlier in the program, and I think this is going to be a great way to encapsulate our, our <clears throat> overall uh, feelings about this game. November 11th of 1905. Oh, my God. November 11th of 1905, the latest possible birth date for a Michigan man to claim a winning record against Ohio State during their lifetime. So 116-year-old person. So, so since 1905, if you were born any time since 1905, Ohio State has had a Mich- winning record against Michigan in your lifetime. So, Johnny, you were born in 1985. 1985. So uh, for those born prior, before November 23rd, I was born in February, born of, in February, of 85. yeah, February right. of 85. So in your lifetime, Ohio State is 20, 14, and 1 against that team up north. Yes. Not bad. Uh, for me, in my lifetime, it's 22, 15, and 1. I'm Not bad. a few years older than you. 22, 15, the, and 1. And, and by the way, that's a travesty compared to all the other people on staff, too, which really cracks me up because they're like, oh, man, I've seen Michigan beat Ohio State like three times. It's the war. I'm like, shut well, up. Well, you know, I think I'll go, to my, I'll go to my parents' generation, let's say, for example. So, so my parents' generation, Ohio State is 37, 24, and 2 in my parents' lifetime. That's pretty good. Uh, and, and now let's talk about this year's team. The, the mm-hmm. teens playing this game. When were these oh kids God. born? Uh, I guess, <laughs> what, like 2004 or something like that? 2004. 2003. Sounds right. So let's say for someone born prior to November 22, 2003, 15 and 2. Oh, my God. Ohio State is 15 and 2, maybe, maybe 16 and 2. Can I say this, though? And, and I, I bring this up every time we talk about overall records, and I – and this is just when I talk to people casually about it, and they're like, oh, man, I just I want to see Michigan lose to Ohio State every single year. Yes, that's, I do that too. is what I want. Yes. I do, too. I also want that. But I got I to gotta tell you something, man. You know what team Ohio State has the longest rivalry with? Illinois. Illinois. Do you but, care at all about Illinois as a rival? It's been a minute. Yeah. and it's <laughs> I, I kind of miss the Yellow Buck Trophy. Oh, I love the Yellow Buck Trophy. That's the best trophy. In- and I'm, I'm actually really devastated that they like basically put that on the back burner. Now we only see it like twice a decade or something stupid like that. Every 6.8 years. Ridiculous. Or, yeah. But um, my point is, is that you don't care about Illinois because Illinois is bad. And yes, Illinois has beaten Ohio State, and those losses are terrible, and they're not fun, and I – Got to watch that actually live and in person for the last game of my, you know, collegiate, you know, viewing career as a student at Ohio State. But the point is, though, is that it has lost all juice as a rivalry because no one takes that team seriously. Well, it's not a rivalry. That's my point. Yeah, it's not a rivalry. Exactly right. And so if you want Michigan to continue to be a rivalry, if you want to continue to claim that's the, you know, the greatest rivalry in sports, Michigan's got to be good. Yeah. They got to be good. And, And that might mean. Ohio State losing to Michigan occasionally. Now, again, I never want that to happen. I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying that that is kind of a consequence of playing a good rival on a regular basis. To, to put this into perspective, this millennium, okay, <laughs> this millennium, since mm-hmm. the turn of the century, yes. the Ohio past State is 17 years. and 3. 17 and 3. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's real bad. It's really incredible. All right, your official prediction. So, I, like I said, I think that Michigan has the capability to keep this game close. Uh, I'm going with the line, and I think that Ohio State wins this thing 35-28. I turned in my official staff score prediction 
Uh, and, and I said, I, I want to make sure I get this right, 49-28 Ohio State. Okay. You think I'm being a bit optimistic? Uh, I think in terms of the amount of points that Ohio State will score. Now, I actually think we're both maybe being a little overly generous to Michigan in terms of their offense um, because, you know, they could score 14, 21 points in the first half and then not score at all in the second half. I could absolutely see something like that happening. Um, but I also think that Ohio State, again, we've seen them struggle at times this year against Nebraska, against Penn State. And it's because they were able to do things defensively that Ohio State hadn't really seen before. Um, I think that you could see Michigan maybe do some similar things, at least in the first half against the Buckeyes. So I, that's why I'm putting the, you know, the points at about 35 for Ohio State. Um, but, hey, if they scored 50, I wouldn't be crying about it. And I think, obviously, they're capable of it, right? I, everybody knows what they can do uh, when they're firing on all cylinders. It's just whether they can kind of adapt to what Michigan will be able to bring, especially on the defensive line. All right. That brings us to my favorite part of the show and yours each week, Ask Us Anything. Good time to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, T-shirts, stickers, uh, some Fine Beat Michigan apparel. If you uh, haven't stocked up, you know, for the holidays, now is a good time to do it. So go and buy while you're waiting on kickoff. Get some good stuff at drygoods.11warriors.com. And also want to thank Buffalo Wild Wings, the official sports bar of 11warriors.com. And our hosts for this are our last stop of the regular season on the 11 Dubcast tour of Central Ohio Buffalo Wild Wings. It's been a lot of fun. This has been a great tour. Uh, all right, Johnny, what do you got in the mailbag for us this Can week? Tell you what, so... You can all send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com for Ask Us Anything, uh, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. I actually want to ask you a question before we get into this real quick, Andy, because I want to I wanna reflect a little bit on our personal experiences with the Michigan game. What do you think is the most underrated Ohio State win over Michigan in the past, like, let's say since that dominance kind of really started with Jim Trestle, right, in the past 20 years or so? Man, that's... Uh... One that we don't talk about enough. Because everybody loves talking about 2006, right? Yeah, 06 like was, I mean, if you'd ask me my favorite. 2002. 2006 would do it. Yeah, but what's one that you think was a game that people don't talk about enough for maybe the moments or the drama or things I, like I, that? I'm, I'm going to say the, the Luke Fickle game, actually. So the, really? The, the one they lost? The, the interregnum between, and, and here's why. Okay. The, the interregnum between. This is, is this going to be a Kevin Harris moment where it's like, I love the sunset at that Virginia Tech game. Oh, my God, no. It's not going to be that. <laughs> but, but think about what that game meant. Now, maybe the decision had already been made that Fickle was a, a, a one-year head coach sure. regardless. Maybe that had already been made. And, and if Gene Smith had to get oh, by that the chance time, to get Urban Meyer, he was going to get him regardless. By that time, I think Urban Meyer was in but the think bag. But think about like, that, that season feels very, very different if Fickle's team wins that game. And they had a chance to win that game. Yeah. They didn't get blown out of that no, game. No, it was like a one, I think it was like a one score, two score loss. But like you know what, I'll just sort of like memory hole that season in general now, like mm -hmm. it never happened. Sure. But, but if, if Fickle, you know, it's not quite an Earl Bruce with the headband moment, but if Fickle goes out there and wins that game, yeah. it's a totally different feel to that whole season. And there's sort of this like triumphant story that you could tell, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, Fickle, the, the local boy does good sort of narrative. And, and, you know, Michigan winning that game maybe wasn't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things because, mm -hmm. oh, Ohio State was kind of punted that year. You know, it is what it is. They weren't playing against a, you know, Jim Trestle or Urban Meyer, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, right, right. I, you know, that game, I, I went into that game feeling like Ohio State had the chance to win that. 
Yes, they did. To win that game and, and you know, make something out of that season. Mm-hmm. And, and then go to the ga- instead of going to the Gator Bowl. And, yeah. You know. and, and so, you know, to me that was a really underrated game because Michigan did what they've not been able to do since, and that was take advantage right. of a, a favorable situation. Yes. And Ohio State was unable to do what they've been able to do basically for 20 years. And even in, in you know, poor situations for them where they were the underdog. Absolutely. Because I think up to that point, a lot of Ohio State fans were like, yeah, but, you know, it's still Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, that, I, I've, I thought a lot about that, that particular game and just what it meant in the context of that season more than once. Mm-hmm. And, and like I say, I don't know that it changes the outcome and all of a sudden, oh, maybe Luke Fickle's the No, I don't think it changes coach. the outcome but, at all. But it, but it just changes the whole feel of that season it and does. the narrative about that season. As opposed to like a lost season, it's more yeah, like a continuation. Yeah, because we just sort of rush it. We, you know, we right. act like it never happened. That makes sense, I, and I think that's a fair point. I, so the one thing I'll say about that you know, I covered a lot of that because we didn't have a beat writer. And yep. so I, w- I went to games and, and went to practices and things like that. Uh, the, the disarray <laughs> that Ohio State football was in that year cannot really be under undersold. Um, Luke Fickle, and has obviously proven to be a very good football coach, uh, was in way in over his head. And did he need that season to become what he's become now? Like, did he need that experience? I think he needed the experience of working with Urban Meyer. I, 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 that's what I think he needed. I don't think he learned anything <laughs> from that. Because really, the, the mismanagement of Braxton Miller, the, mm. the way that, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on that was just really poorly done and rushed. And uh, you could see a lot of potential in that team, obviously, because they went 12-0 the next season. But, um, there was a lot of just running around with a chicken, you know, like a chicken with their head cut off. Uh, here's the game that I will say that is supremely underrated in the pantheon of this, you know, this past two decades about, you know, myth making that we're making about, uh, <laughs> you know, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, 2005. I love that game. 2005 was sick. Ohio State was down, I think, something like 12 points in the fourth quarter. They come back. Uh, they've got to stage a last minute drive. Troy Smith is basically perfect on that drive. Uh, they cannot be stopped. And then uh, Gonzo, you know, grabs this amazing leaping grab across his body over a Michigan defender uh, to get right there to like the, you know, two or three yard line. They punch it in with Pittman. It was just a really dramatic, cool moment. And I just remember being miserable for the first 75, 85% of that game. And then they just completely, like, turn it around. Like, it's like they flipped a switch at the very yeah. end. And that, that's when I knew that Ohio State had Michigan's number. And that's why I think that's such a significant game because that was like, okay, well, Ohio State's had some success. Okay, but that, now it's going to be a turning point. Right. Now it's good. My thought was for most of that game, Ohio State's had some success, but now it's all going to go back to crap again because <laughs> that's the way the world <laughs> that's works. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Right. So Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan, and that'll be the same way for the next decade, and everything will be terrible and suck, and I'll hate life. But then they, then they came back, and then they won that game, and I was like, something's changed in this rivalry. And I don't think that Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan for a very long time because it truly felt like Ohio State, for the first time, absolutely had Michigan's number, and there was nothing that they could do about it. Um, so that's I think 2005 is super underrated. Nice. And it was a really good game, too. You, you saw there was a lot of drama. I think Bobby Carpenter uh, hurt his ankle in that game. James Laurinaitis had to come in for him in spot duty, like, first time I think he had seen significant action so people were freaking out about that because you're still dealing with you know Chad Henney and Mike Hart and like yeah. oh the greatest of these wonderkins mm. so um oh my I love that game yeah you, know, you know and and more power to the guy oh you know? for a lot oh for a lot but 
on Michigan staff, and now, you know, the new generation here. Now, I, I will say I have the impression from some of the articles I've read that, to Hart's credit, he, he maybe is the reason that they finally this year seem like they're giving the rivalry game the I do would, it deserves. Yeah, and, and I, I would not be surprised by that. Um, because was, it seemed like, you know, for the past four years or Oh, they just treated like another game, which Har- you can't. Harbaugh was doing the Cooper thing. Right. So, you know, Terrible just, idea. Just another game. Yeah, and I think they've been very intentional about it this year, which is good to see. Even, even if it doesn't turn out well for them, which I don't think it will, uh, I like that they're giving it the attention that it deserves. Um, so we got a question here. This is from KetteringBuck03, who wants to know, in the highly likely scenario that Ohio State wins out, uh, cruising to a Big Ten championship, and Bama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, do the Bucks enter the playoff as old seed number one? They would have to, right? I yeah, mean, they're, yeah. they're two right now. Yeah, I think, I think that's right, because the, uh, the alternative is Georgia staying at number one after yeah, a not, loss. Or, well, I guess you could bump up Georgia or Alabama again. I mean, I, that, is a, that is a possibility. Because you've got, you've got a one-loss team, another one-loss team. That, that is a possibility, but I, I think maybe it depends on... Cincinnati number one, calling it. Yeah, say. there you go. I think it depends on a couple things. One, how does Ohio State look in this game? You know, mm-hmm. if, they, if they look in this game like they looked last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> then yeah. Right. If they look in the big... You know, if they take... Wisconsin 59 to 0 in the Big Ten championship game, then yeah. Right. Then they're definitely going to number one. If, you know, they kind of limp through and you have a Penn State Nebraska type win in either or both of those games, particularly if it's in that last game, Mm -hmm. then I could see Alabama going back up to number one. Sure. And Ohio State staying at number two. And I don't think I don't think anybody on the committee would blank to put Alabama back. Oh no, God no. They won't feel bad about that at all. No. Yeah. That would be it was the it was the fact that Ohio State took the number seven team in the country. To the woodshed, right. the way they did it at Michigan State, that's why they jumped. Exactly, yes. And, and Alabama, I, I don't know if you say struggled with Arkansas, but Arkansas gave them all they could handle. Yeah, it was a game. It was absolutely a game. And, and, and I think there's recognition that this isn't the same Alabama team that we're used to seeing. It's still good. Yeah. It's but still they, better than 98% of teams out but, there. Yes, but they definitely have deficiencies, especially in the running game, which is and, really And it feels like there's a recognition of that right. among the punditry. Yes, it's still Alabama, so you're getting all of the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. that anybody's ever going to get. Right. You're going to get as many mulligans as we can possibly give you. Mm-hmm. But we recognize this isn't, you know, the Death Star. Right, right, that you've seen in years past. That you've seen in years past. Um, and well, and that's what's interesting to me because, A, the college football playoff rankings are such a week-to-week, what-have-you-done-for-me-lately yes, kind of thing. absolutely they, it is. they could not care less about – precedent or previous records, unless it suits whatever narrative they're trying to craft that particular week. Yep. So that's why it's the championship games are absolutely a huge deal, and yes. style points absolutely matter, yes. right? Because it really is just, you know, how do you look in the very last game that you play? Yeah, let's, I mean, let's be real. That's the reason Ohio State has national championships, because style points. Yes. 59-0 yeah. doesn't happen. They're not getting into that playoff. No. And there were other teams that had a legitimate shot at being selected for that play. Now, should they have been? No, because Ohio State obviously proved they're the best team. <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about this before, that Jim Tressel ended the career of Larry Coker and the Miami football program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, ended the career of Lloyd Carr, and, and maybe you could say, you know, started the process of, uh, of, of at least ending. Baylor started to fall apart. But, yeah. but well... The Big 12. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. <laughs> you know, Oklahoma and, and Texas leave the Big 12. Yeah. It started the night. The wow. Ohio State's really just let's Baylor and Mary. TCU did not get into the college football <laughs> playoff in 2014. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it is such a what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And 
I do think that Ohio State has the potential to be the number one seed, but it, you really you got to extrapolate a lot of stuff from here yeah. because you got to you got to see what they look like against Michigan because they could drop them if, if it, Michigan's a close game and then let's say like I don't know you know something else happens where Alabama blows out Georgia or something like that I don't, they may say okay well you know we'll see what actually happens with. Where we want to rank Michigan? Where do we want to rank Cincinnati? There, there's just a lot of moving parts of this. I, I guess is my and, point. And, you know, and of course you have the Iron Bowl. Yeah, is 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 this weekend? Not that I expect six and five Auburn to beat Alabama, but stranger things have happened. Or they could just look bad, like you don't know, right? Or Alabama could beat them by fifty. It, the, that's what I'm saying, though, is that yeah. every single week is for the committee. I think a fresh slate, and. Unless you're like Cincinnati, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is why it's so frustrating because it's so selectively applied. But um, for Ohio State, yes, you want to you want to crush Michigan and you want to crush whoever you, you know. You want to crush Wisconsin. You want to you want to beat those teams really really badly. If, uh, if Georgia that. blows out Alabama, they're number one. I don't think. Well, no, no, no. Yes, that, that, that's without question. Yeah, but. Does Alabama keep the four seed, or do they fall out? Like, what's the Who scenario else, I where, mean, well, I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, I guess Oklahoma State. Like, I don't know. I mean. A two-loss Alabama team over a Pac-12 and a Big 12 Maybe. champion. Maybe. I mean, it, it, again, it's, it's all what they, they you know, they, they see in that league week leading up to it. Well, and that's the way I, the reason I posed. I, I would what about not. Notre Dame? What about Notre Dame? Right, that's what I said. I, I would hope not. Uh, I would hope that a team like Notre Dame that has, I think, gotten better as the season's gone on. I think that's of, fair. A lot of people see their loss to Cincinnati and go, well, then they just wrote them off because like, they, wrote, they lost to the But season. nobody wants to see that replay. No, God, no. You don't want to see Notre Dame-Cincinnati again. I don't, think no, I don't think anybody wants to see Notre Dame, period. No, uh, I, I Because don't. of their I mean, past history. I'd be in favor of Oklahoma State. Um, yeah. Heck, even... What's Utah's record now? Well, the Utes. Well, they're, you know, they're okay, three loss Utah. Yeah, you're not, so yeah. the Pac 12's done. Yeah, Pac 12's done. Pac 12's done. Yeah, Oregon losing eliminates that. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oklahoma so, State. So it's Oklahoma State basically is the, I mean, in theory, Oklahoma, Dame. but the, the committee has shown no compunction about. Mm-mm. They had Oklahoma at eight. <laughs> they were undefeated. So yeah, they don't have Oklahoma any faith. was behind Cincinnati. <laughs> they don't have any faith in that team. Um, you know, Oklahoma State would be interesting. I, I think they're a good team. I think Notre Dame's really proved their bona fides over the past few weeks. Uh, they're just kind of waiting for somebody to lose. I, I really do think, though, that if any team ends up sliding in there, given, like, let's say Alabama, like you said, Alabama gets blown out, Notre Dame's probably the most likely team to. Because I still feel like if it's a close one, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Alabama, Georgia ends up being. They would probably be content with just flipping Cincinnati and Alabama. They, yes, but that's exactly what, you know, I, I said from the get-go, Alabama at number two, yeah. so early in the process, right. was set up intentionally, so it was one seed undefeated Georgia, mm-hmm. four seed and two loss out. Well, it, you know. Now, it, they might do that for a week, and then they'll see what happens, you know. I don't know. Oh, so you're saying with the SEC championship yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So, and not in the Iron Bowl. Right, um, right, right, yeah, right, right. So right. in that yeah. case, God, that's tough. I really, I mean, I mean, that's the thing that would accelerate playoff expansion like nothing else. Yeah, is a two-loss Bama getting in over a one-loss Big Twelve champion. I, th- I think you would have to put Oklahoma State in, and I get, I get why people would want to put in Alabama and just give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, especially if it's a close loss to Georgia. Man, that is a really, that's going to be a really interesting conundrum. And yeah. Now, what I will say is that I think Alabama is going to beat Georgia, and and then it becomes. 
Well, number one, Ohio State. Number two, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. I mean, yeah. Number three, Cincinnati. And then probably number four, number Georgia. four Georgia. Yeah, I think that's what what ends up working out. So you get the Ohio State Georgia match in the semis instead of in the championship. Which they would be game, fine which with. We would, yeah, sure. And then Cincinnati Alabama, which would make me laugh a lot. <laughs> Setting up Alabama Ohio State for all Setting the marbles and a rematch, which. I think a lot of college football fans would find boring, but heck no, give me that. I, well, no, I'd take that. I'm cool with it. Yeah, but I'm just saying. That. I'm saying a lot of like the Twitter audio oh, might, yeah, might sure, go sure, like, sure. oh, I don't want to see this again. But that would do ratings. That would do numbers. They would. I that think, would do numbers. And I think that's probably the committee's best best case scenario. Alabama losing if they lose and they have two losses, I don't think they should be in the top four. I think that they should be done because uh, they're not a great team this year, and there are a lot of comparable teams. Not a lot, but Notre Dame and Oklahoma State who I think should deserve more consideration than a two-loss Bama team. Yeah. That, that would be the – to put a lid on this, I think that's where that should stand at the end of that. All right. That's where we're going to let it stand then. And, again, if you've got questions for us – Yeah, continue sending them in. Send them at 11warriors.com. We'll look forward to uh, talking about them next week when we are celebrating <laughs> – Ohio State's I'm going to name it and claim it, as they say. <laughs> okay. Speak it into existence, Andy. Uh, speak it into existence. Quick, Cal's before we wrap up this episode, Ohio State is playing multiple sports right now of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I cover the wrestling program, but basketball also well underway. Ohio State uh, did not have a great night versus Florida. Game-winning uh-huh. buzzer beater from Gator guard Tyree Appleby handed the Buckeyes a loss in the Fort Myers tip-off final. Now, you and I are both of the opinion that basketball in November doesn't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, But I I will say I was very frustrated with that game. Ohio State uh, frittered away a 10-point lead relatively late in the ball game. Uh, It took a 30-26 to lead to halftime. And foul trouble in what I will acknowledge was a fairly poorly officiated contest in terms of, of fouls. But it was a frustrating loss. Uh, that was a game Ohio State should have won because Florida shot pretty poorly. They were just 36.7% on the night in a game when Ohio State shot 53.2% from the field. <sighs> Outshot them by almost 20 percentage points. Well, don't And get, lose this thing on a butter. Don't buzzer get beat beater. on the boards. How about that? Huge turnovers were big, 18 yeah. turnovers. Uh, got beat on the boards, particularly the offensive boards, yes. 16 to, to 7 in Florida's favor. I, I don't know. What's your, what's your feeling about this basketball team five, six games into the it's season? It's the same thing that I've been saying. Like, you can't rely on E.J. Liddell to, you know, win your game every night. And that's – look, if Kyle Young is going to foul out with ten minutes left in the game and, what, who's your next, <laughs> who's your next guy to score? I mean, they, you've got dudes on that team who eventually evolve into a good second option. They're not there yet. And without justice, uh, with Seth Towns being hurt, um, it's just an incomplete team right now. And they've got a great player in Liddell who is doing – again, he's not just great in that he's scoring. The guy's getting rebounds. He does it all. He's doing it all. He's doing an excellent job, and, and there's nothing bad you can say about him. And really, I don't think the team is showing poor effort. It's just they're not – it's not a complete team. And there's some really exciting guys. Malachi Branham's exciting to watch. Yeah. I, you know, Wheeler was a great pickup off the transfer mm-hmm. wire. Uh, he's been fantastic on defense. And actually, you know, I, I was of the mind, uh, along with our Chris Lauterbach, that – uh, they probably should just let him. He was handling the ball pretty well. Uh, actually, they were, they were, he probably could have gotten more minutes than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was fine late. So it's an interesting team to watch, but I feel like I'm going to be incredibly frustrated with this team maybe more than I want to be. You're going to see a lot of games where it's like a two-point win or a one-point loss. You know, they're going to be in it to the, to the end. 
uh, closing out games is going to be really difficult for them because other opponents are just going to look at EJ Liddell and then beg someone else to try to beat them. And, and, and I feel gonna, like the book on it is if you watch this Florida game, be physical with this team. Yeah. Because, you know, I felt like I was watching Press Virginia out there mm-hmm. with these Gators, and it was just kind of like, we're going to beat the tar out of you on every single right. possession and dare the stripes to call it. Right. And they're going to get a lot of that in the Big Ten. I mean, it's the oh, Big yeah. Ten, man. Very, like very physical. Yeah. All right. That's what we're going to call it tonight, friends. It's time. Time for the game. I'm excited. Ohio State versus Michigan for all of the marbles. For Johnny Ginner, I'm Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.